This audio sermon is brought to you by the House of Intercessory Prayer Ministries. For more information, please visit www.hipm.org. So as we continue, uh, our series on everyday miracle, today we are going to see yet another miracle that Jesus Christ performed when he was living on the face of this earth. You know, the miracles that Jesus performed tell us today that Jesus has ultimate control over everything. You know, today at times it is hard to believe, but then if you read scriptures, if you read some of the miracles that Jesus performed, and if you turn back and see some of the miracles Jesus is performing even today in our lives, they tell us that Jesus has ultimate authority over everything. The authority over sickness, authority over death, authority over nature, and authority over demons. Jesus has complete and ultimate authority over everything that we see in and around today. Now, in order to understand a question that all of us have is why we don't see such miracles today in our churches. So the approach that we have taken is to go over the miracles that Jesus performed and try to understand the context in which the miracles were performed and also try to understand the steps that led Jesus to perform these miracles. And if you remember last week or the week before we talked about Jesus feeding 5,000. You know, as the disciples came to Jesus with a great concern, that they came to Jesus and they told people are hungry. We need to give something for them to eat. You know, but the disciples saw what they do not have, but Jesus saw what they had already with them. And we also understand, understood on the day that something they had was better than having nothing. Something they had in their hands was better than nothing. And today we are going to see another miracle that Jesus performed. We can read that from Mark chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. Mark chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. Jesus healing a man who was paralyzed. Paralysis is a loss of ability to move one or many organs of our body. The persons whose hands and legs are paralyzed hardly moves. The movement becomes very difficult when someone is hit with a sickness of paralysis. You know, such people are literally to be carried. They cannot go from one place to another. They need to be literally carried or transported for any purpose. So we see such a man coming to Jesus as he was performing that miracle. So let's read from Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was hard, it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men and when they could not come near him because of the crowd they uncovered the roof where he was so when they had broken through they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying 
when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic son, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoning in their hearts, why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, arise, take up your bed and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Immediately he arose, took up the bed and went out in the presence of them all. So that all were amazed and glorified God saying, we never saw anything like this. So here we see a miracle that was performed by our Lord Jesus Christ. As we are trying to identify the steps that eventually helped Jesus to perform the miracle. Number one we see here as we see in verse 3. Then they came to him bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. The number one step that led Jesus to perform that miracle was the paralytic was carried by men. He was carried by men. You know, one has to be carried by somebody else for a miracle to take place. Now, it may be hard to understand, but I want to help you here. The paralyzed man had no way of coming to Lord Jesus Christ unless he was carried by somebody else. He cannot crawl, he cannot jump, he cannot run. He probably couldn't do any of these things, but he had to be carried into the presence of God. You know, people who are sick, probably they can walk. But someone who is paralyzed totally, he has no way to walk to find, for his, find his help. You know, people, those who cannot be moved, who cannot move, they were just waiting for others' help. Here we see a man who couldn't move, but four men joined together and they lifted him up and they brought him to the presence of Lord Jesus Christ. You know, these four men decided in their heart that they want to carry him to the place where Jesus was. You know, I want all of you to you know, understand the heart of these four men. They decided to do this for the sake of somebody else, for the benefit of someone else. You know, Jesus could have performed, could perform this miracle as these four men joined together carrying this paralyzed man into the presence of the Lord. You know, today, the question we have is why we don't see miracles in the churches. Today, we don't see miracles because there is nobody willing to carry someone into the presence of God. You know, we are all sitting here every day, every week we come and we enjoy in the presence of God and we leave this place. But there is somebody out there who is in need of a miracle. The basic things that we have, the basic salvation they have, we have, there is someone out there who does not have. The basic blessings that we know how to receive from God. There is somebody out there who do not know how to receive such blessing from God. And someone else had to carry, has to carry that person into the presence of God. And here we see that these four men joined together and they carried this man who was paralyzed. You know, there are people out there, they are spiritually paralyzed. They are spiritually totally crippled. They don't even, they, they are not able to open their mouth and say a word of prayer. They know the spirit is so heavy in them, it doesn't really allow them to say a word, Jesus. Can you, if you pray for someone and ask him, you know, 
to repeat the word Jesus? You need to struggle over him. You need to hit him and lay hands and shake him up and you know, so that he will at least utter a word, Jesus. They are so deaf and dumb out there, people out there. But today God is asking us to carry that somebody into the presence of God so that they will be touched by the presence of God and the power of God. God wants us to carry them. They need to be carried from the place where they cannot find Jesus into the presence of God where they can find Jesus. All that they need is Jesus. All that that paralyzed man was in need of on that day was Jesus, nothing else. Their situation doesn't allow them. Most of the time when they go through difficulties and pain and sufferings, they are not able to think anything beyond. You and I are needed there to invite them into the presence of God. Carrying the paralyzed man was not an easy task. It was painful. You know, yesterday I was remembering Brother Chella. Even in the weather condition, you know, he decided to drop his family. And he drew all the way to the downtown to carry somebody else. Probably the first time they are introduced to Jesus. Why he had to do this? God has commanded us to carry someone in the presence of God. The more we carry into the presence of God, the more reward we will get when we go to heaven. You know, this is the commission that given Jesus Christ has given to all of us. Not to someone, not to some family, not to the pastor. But it is a commission on all of us that we need to carry somebody into the presence of God. At times it becomes a great sacrifice for us. At times, you know, it is time consuming. It requires more effort. Think of those four men. They need to carry somebody all the way. We don't know how far they were carrying him. They all that they did, they brought him to the presence of Lord Jesus Christ. But then they were willing to sacrifice their comfort. They were willing to sacrifice their money and time. You know, God is asking us to do this in Galatians chapter 6 verse 3. Scripture says very clearly in Galatians 6 2. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. It is same as the body of Christ. We have our human body. If one organ is sick, the entire body is sick. If one organ feels the pain, the entire organ feel, entire body feels that pain. If some of us are going through difficulties, I want every one of us to feel that difficulty, to feel that pain that we are going through in the body. That's what Christian churches that's what christian teaching is as word of god says bear one another's burden you know in our own life at times we feel that if we are it will be good if we are carried by someone don't you feel that at times we feel that it's very hard for us to get up and walk and move around it'll be how nice it'll be if someone can carry us around you know but it's too funny to think about that when we, we, we became adults right so nobody is willing to carry. Let's see what scripture says. Scripture says in Isaiah 46 verse 4. Isaiah 46 4. Even to your old age, I am he. And even to gray hairs, I will carry you. Who is saying this? Our God, our God Almighty. I have made and I will bear even I will carry and will deliver you. You know, these are the words of our God. He's telling us that I will carry you, my son, my daughter. You don't need to worry about it. 
I will take you through. I will carry you over. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 31 says. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 31. And in the wilderness. Where you saw how the Lord your God carried you. As a man carries his son. In all the way that you went until you came to this place. Children of Israel, they were carried in the wilderness, literally by God. Because scripture says, even their sandals were not worn off. They were not really walking, they were carried by God Almighty in the wilderness. There were serpents and there were scorpions and there were even wild animals everywhere in the wilderness. But our God was protecting them carrying them you know when we go through difficulty our God is right there carrying our ourselves around there's a story most of you know about it a man got a dream one night he dreamt this way he was walking along the beach side in the sands and as he was walking God was showing him his past life in flashes in the, in, in the sky and he was observing the sky and God was reminding every situation that he walked in his life. And God told him that I am walking with you. And he turned back and he saw there were two footsteps, two people, persons were walking on the sand. And he asked God, who is this, the second one? God said, it is me. You were, in such, you were going through such a situation in your life. And I was walking by you. I was taking you all along. And after some time, God was showing him a particular situation in his life where he was going through too much of difficulty in his life and God asked him to turn him turn back and see and he saw turn back and he saw there were only one footstep and he was crying to God Lord it was such a difficult time painful time in my life that's just because you left me all alone I was just all alone walking all alone in this wilderness that's the reason I was going through such a pain in my life but the Lord turned to him and he said, my son, my precious child, I love you. And I told you, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. You know, it's a word of God. Yesterday we, talk, we, we understood how do we take God at his word. God said that he will never leave us. Literally, if you read those and write those verses, they are so true in our lives. God never leaves us. God told him, it was not your footsteps. It was my footsteps. I was carrying you in my shoulder. The one footstep you see, it's not yours. I was carrying you in my shoulder. If I would not have carried, probably you would have died. I would not have carried, you would have perished in the pain that you went through at that moment. And this morning God is telling you, our God is a God who carries us. No matter what we go through, he is with us. Just turn, a simple thing that all of us can do is, just turn back and see your life. How many years passed by? How many years, years you have gone through? Maybe 25, 35, 45, 50. How many years we have gone through? Had not God carried all us all through this time? He did so. He was faithful. And he is able to do it right now. And he will continue to do no matter what we go through in our life. You know, that is the assurance that God wants all of us to have. There are four men carrying this man to the presence of God that led Lord Jesus Christ to perform that miracle. Let's go back to Mark chapter 2 verse 4. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. The second reason why Jesus could perform that miracle was 
the roof has to be removed our roof has to be uncovered to gain access to Jesus the great crowd was standing between the paralyzed man and the Lord Jesus Christ the crowd was not really helping the crowd was not you know helping them to find a way so that the paralyzed can be taken to Jesus crowd was not helping really the crowd was preventing him from reaching Jesus you know unless the paralyzed is brought into the presence of Lord Jesus Christ the healing cannot take place the crowd on our way as we journey in this world most of the time they don't allow us to come to Jesus have you realized that the crowd are not going to help really us to come to Lord Jesus Christ they simply take us away from God they simply divert our attention they build a wall between us and God you know most of the time when you are in deep trouble you are just all alone the crowd is not there it was it happened exactly to Lord Jesus Christ too when he was crucified there are 5,000 people who are fed by Lord Jesus Christ where are those 5,000 when he was hanging at the cross he was just all alone most of the time the crowd we see behind us they are not there in our time of trouble all that they do is they dump garbage on our way complaints negative words you know they will come they will ask us to come and enjoy the world gossips and empty words and waste of time they don't allow us to come to Lord Jesus Christ a big crowd is standing over there and they are not able to bring that paralyzed man to Lord Jesus Christ and they were not helping at all there unless they removed that crowd unless they remove the roof on that day probably they could not have dropped they could not have brought this paralyzed man to the presence of God what is standing on our way today probably that roof need to be removed that roof need to be removed for us to see a miracle the men carrying the paralyzed were wondering by looking at the crowd you know but then they were not silent they were, they didn't go back they were not thinking that keep the paralyzed man at the side of at the outside of the house anyway Jesus has to come out of the house probably will ask him to pray at that moment no they were not waiting there they decided to uncover the roof they decided to uncover the roof you know there is a message here for me and for all of us it was a conscious conscious and very costly and very riskful decision of lifting this man up and dropping him through the roof for a miracle to take place miracles take place in the presence of Lord Jesus Christ the man carrying the the men carrying the paralyzed you know where they decided that they need to take this risk to bring this man into the presence of God they decided to do it today do it on that day and today God is asking us to uncover those roofs they are standing between us and God I can give one few examples but we know what we are going through in our lives people today cover themselves with human ideologies they cover themselves with intellectual abilities intellectually they try to understand the things of God they never they, they will not be able to understand self-righteousness people have been thinking that whatever I do is right always ego I know everything ignoring parents ignoring the counsel of elders even not accepting the word of God 
These things come and stay as a cover, as a roof in our lives. We will not be able to experience the miracle of God. God, God's word has to enter into our lives for a miracle to take place. The roof has to be uncovered and God's word has to enter into our lives. And that word of God will enter into our lives only when we uncover the roof. And we need to think about what is the roof in our lives. You know, today people cocoon themselves, maybe in self-pity, in isolation, in idleness, or they at times develop low self-esteem about themselves. And they think that this is what I can do. I cannot do anything more than that. And they keep hearing the voice saying that you are a failure, you are a loser, you will never come up in your life. That's it. That's the end of it. You know, we keep hearing those words in our lives and we try to cocoon ourselves and we think that that's it, that's the end of it. It forms a roof over our lives. And today, God is asking us to uncover that roof in our lives. These four men, they decided to uncover that roof. They climbed on the roof, they uncovered the roof and they dropped the paralyzed man in front of Jesus. And verse 5 says, Mark 2, 2 verse 5, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. Number three reason why Jesus could perform that miracle was sin was forgiven there. You know, sin has the ability to stop our miracle. You know, we need to have a clear understanding about this here. Sin has an ability to stop the miracle. Or unforgiven sin has the abilities to stop the miracle. When Jesus saw the paralyzed, he did not heal him by looking at the faith of these four men. He did not heal that man by looking at their faith. They had strong faith. What else do you need to prove that as a faith? They had strong faith. But Jesus did not heal him by looking at the faith. Instead, Jesus told, spoke to the paralytic saying that, Son, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You know, miracles will not happen unless... The sin is forgiven. That doesn't mean that God punishes us for our sins. When we live on this earth, if God starts punishing me for every sin that I do in my life, you don't see me today. Who can stand before God? If God starts punishing us for all our sins one after another, God does not punish. There is a punishment which is an eternal punishment which is yet to come. But when we live on this earth, God doesn't want to punish every one of us. You know, if somebody is telling us, once you become a child of God, if somebody is telling that you are sin, because of your sin, you are, you are going through this pain, you are going through this sickness. No, God forgives our sins. Once he forgives, but we need to confess and ask forgiveness. Once he forgives our sins, he even forgets our sins. Scripture says that he throws that at the bottom of the ocean, that he doesn't remember anymore our sins. It is not that God is punishing our, for our sins, but our sins can prevent God's blessing. Let's read Isaiah chapter 59, verses 1 to 2. Isaiah chapter 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened, that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy, that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated you from your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. 
even though God doesn't punish us, but our sin is standing between us and God and it prevents us seeing his face. And, if, and it prevents God hearing our cry. Then how can he answer? So sin has to be removed for us to experience a miracle in our lives. You know, we are living in a world where sin is taken very lightly. Churches don't teach on sin anymore. Very rarely we hear messages on sin. Sin has become a fashion for modern Christianity. Do you know that? Sin has become a fashion for modern Christianity. Church is creeping into the world. Our creep world is creeping into the church in such a way that sin is seen inside the church and it is entertained. And how do we see the miracle of God in our lives? Scripture says in 1 John 5.18 1 John 5.18 We know that Whoever is born of God does not sin. Whoever is born of God does not sin. But he who has been born of God keeps himself and the wicked one does not touch him. Scripture doesn't say that whoever is born of God commits sins hundred times and again ask, every time asks for forgiveness. Scripture doesn't say that. Scripture says very clearly, whoever is born of God does not sin. If I sin today, I need to ask God, Lord, help me not to sin. At least we need to have that heart asking God, Lord, help me not to sin. Help me not to sin. You know, Scripture as a whole does not allow us to remain in sin. No way. Scripture, if you read the scripture as a whole, it doesn't guarantee us that we can continue to live in our sin. Scripture says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus in Romans 8.1. There is no condemnation for those who in Christ Jesus. The same scripture also says in Hebrews 10.26. For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. Scripture says there is no condemnation who is born of Christ. But the same scripture also says if we willfully continue to remain in sin, even after knowing the truth, there is no longer remains a sacrifice for such sin. That means there is no forgiveness for such a sin. If we willfully remain, continue to remain in sin. You know, today we cannot hold on to one scripture and say that we can do whatever we want. No, scripture does not allow that. Sin has to be put away for us to receive a miracle. What is sin? What is sin? Now I feel that we need to read through a couple of scriptures before we close. Let's go to Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. Colossians chapter 3, 5 and 6. Scripture says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire and covetousness which is idolatry because of these things the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience the only way I know what I do today is a sin or not is just stand before the mirror that's the word of God and look at my life and what's going on in my life let's go to Romans chapter 1 26 to 32 Romans chapter 1. I can give you some, some more scriptures. You can take it down and read it at home. Romans chapter 1, 
26 to 27. For this reason, God gave them up to wild passions. For even their women exchanged their natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burnt in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like the, to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death. Not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Even if you approve of those who practice them, it is a sin. You know, it is too much to handle at times. Because all that we read, we see people are going through, churches going through all these things. And where do we stand when God is judging us based on what the scripture says? There are some more scriptures in Galatians 5, 19 to 21. I can read it for you. Galatians 5, 19 to 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatredness, contentions, arguments, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revileries, or partying, and the like of which tell you beforehand. Just as I also told you in time past that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Scripture is you know, very clear. Some more scriptures, Ephesians 5, 3 to 7, 1 Timothy 1, 9 to 11, Revelation 21, 8, if you want, you can take that later from me. These scriptures talk about the sin that we see today in this world and also in these churches. Our sin need to be forgiven for us to get a deliverance or for, for us to receive a miracle. And we don't need to, nobody needs to tell what sin in our lives. We know what sin we are dealing with. When we go and kneel down in the presence of God, Holy Spirit is more than faithful to remind those sins in our lives. The more we confuse, the moment we, can, we confess those sins in the presence of God, God gives us deliverance. And how do we get the forgiveness of God? We need to acknowledge our sins. He, Hosea chapter 5 verse 15 says, Hosea chapter 5 15, I will turn against to my place Till they acknowledge their offenses, then they will seek my face. In their affliction, they will earnestly seek me. God is asking us to seek his face. God is asking us to acknowledge our sins. All of us, scripture says, all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It is time as a church that we need to cry out. As we move further, as we look forward for growth in the church, it is time that we need to fall at our feet and confess our sins and our inabilities in the presence of God. 
Proverbs 28, 13 scripture says, we need to confess our sins. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forgives them will have mercy. We need to confess and we need to forsake. Means we need to renounce and we need to leave and we need to get out of it and we will find the mercy of God. We need to confess and forsake. And who has the authority to forgive our sins? Let's go back to Mark chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. As the man who was paralyzed was brought into the presence of God, Jesus spoke one word, Son, your sins are forgiven. And that was more than enough. He is already healed. He is instantly healed. The moment the sin was forgiven, the miracle already took place. The moment the sin was forgiven, verse 10, Jesus says, there were questions. Who has this man? Who has given him authority to forgive sins? And verse 10. But that you may know that the son of man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. You know, that's the instant, that, that moment the miracle took place on the day. The moment Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And he was instantly healed. And all that Jesus had to tell him, he has continued to sit in that floor. He's he was continuing to sit in that same situation. Because he did not probably realize that he is healed. He was already healed because Jesus said, son, your sins are forgiven. And he was healed, completely healed. But now Jesus has to, you know, make him up. Get, a, get him up. And Jesus says, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go he did not say that you are healed now he did not say that i'm laying in my hands and healing you now he did not say any word he said i say to you arise take up your bed and go that means he's already healed the moment sin is confessed he is healed and this morning god is speaking to us he's asking us to carry somebody who is not able to come into the presence of god it is our responsibility to identify that someone in our life and bring them into the presence of God because they are in need of Jesus. It is time that we need to uncover those roofs. They are standing between God and us so that we are not blessed with such a miracle in our lives. It is time that we need to ask God's forgiveness in our lives. There is nothing like a bigger sin and a smaller sin. The moment the Spirit of God prompts in our hearts, we need to confess. We need to confess whatever it may be. This morning, I believe God has spoken to us. Let's close our eyes. Let's close our eyes. Let's ask God only one thing. Just maybe just, just that alone this morning. Lord, what is standing between me and you today that your eyes are not able to see me? Your ears are not able to hear me. What is that that is standing in between me and you, Lord? Help me to know that. Help me, Lord, to know that. And I believe, strongly believe, the Spirit of God is speaking to you already. The Spirit of God is dealing with you this morning. Probably you may not have enough time here once you go back home. Can you do this exercise for me? Just sit at the feet of God and analyze your life. I'm sure the Spirit of God will deal with you. There are times in my life I have not even thought of that it's a sin. But when I go and kneel down in the presence of God, God makes it clear that my son, it is a sin. It is a sin. If I want you to 
found, find few, pure in my presence, it is required that you need to confess that sin. Only Spirit of God can do it. Man cannot deal with that. I believe this morning, God is speaking to us. And He's a God who doesn't punish us according to our sin. He doesn't punish us. That's His mercy. We deserve punishment. But He doesn't punish us according to our sin. He's a merciful God. He's a merciful God. Instead, He gives us grace. He gives us more and more grace. This morning, He's not here to punish us. He's here to heal us. He's here to heal our brokenness. He's here to build us as a church. He's, helped, he's here to make us, take us into the next mile in our spiritual life. He's our God. No matter what you think low about you, God doesn't think low about you at all. He never thinks low about you. It is we, we do that. Every one of us are so precious in the sight of God. Otherwise, why he should have given his life for us? We are so precious. All that God is telling you this evening, this morning, is to sit at the feet of God and analyze what is going on in our lives. God is right there to help you. Hope you are blessed by this teaching. Please write to Pastor Balan Swami Nathan at balan at hipm.org. God bless you.